0: Well, good evening, friends and family. How are you? Good. Online crowd, good to see you. Welcome to Mosaic. Hey, friends, we are so glad you're here tonight. Do me a favor and uh, go ahead and look who's around you, maybe behind you or near you, and uh, give a hi, hello, a greeting. If you're online, go ahead and let us know you're here. Uh, Give us a chat and say where you are, what you're doing. Make sure every person, though, around you that you at least say hi to. Go ahead and take a second. Well, hey, we're, uh, we got some exciting things that are about to begin in our, uh, in our body uh, this month. One in particular is that we're about to begin a series uh, in the book of Hebrews, and so we are really thrilled. Um, our incredible media team Uh, They have worked together, uh, as well as some of our crew down at Fellowship Fayetteville. I don't know if you did our Clarity Series with us, if you were around for that. Uh, We had a resource together where we were in prayers, uh, as well as daily scripture readings and small group curriculum. And it was amazing how as a church body, just during COVID actually, we were still unified together around God's word. And so these are actually available. We want to do the same thing during our time in the book of Hebrews. Uh, First and foremost, if you would like a copy, we have physical copies tonight uh, out in the foyer. Doug Rains, on your way out, you are welcome to get one, $5 a copy. Or if you're more uh, in the digital age and you want it online, it's available for you as well in a PDF form. And we hope, our hope in it is as we come into this room on Saturday evenings to dive into God's word, uh, to go through this book together, this incredible
1: book, uh, that it wouldn't
0: just stay in this room. That we as followers of Jesus, we would daily, regularly be in an abiding relationship with him. So this is an incredible resource for you, your family, your community group, uh, to dive into the scriptures together. And and to prep our hearts just as we get ready for the book of Hebrews. I mean, just listen to, to a few of the words we're about to get into. Hebrews 1 says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in the last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Check this out. Whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven, so became so much more superior than even the name of angels, as the name he has inherited is more superior than theirs. (gasps) Whoo, right? That does not make you wanna get up and worship Jesus. Not enough? How about this one, Hebrews 4? For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of heart. Isn't God's word good? Oh, it's gonna be so amazing. So friends, we encourage you, please don't leave tonight without this resource as we as a church family dive into it. And uh, speaking of family business, uh, we're back in uh, services and we need help. <laughs> uh, in particular, a few things. We are really looking for some incredible godly men and women in our body to help us in a few ways. One is in this space. Uh, It actually is a team effort to pull off one of these services. And now that uh, COVID restrictions are beginning to lift and we're starting to take things a little more uh, where we can uh, interact with one another, We need your help, and so we need help with ushers as we begin to do offering plates, as well as take communion. Uh, We need help, I don't know if you saw it, in the foyer. Uh, We need some people who are here to greet and welcome. So if you have missed saying hello, or you're new and you're looking to meet more people, we're looking for folks to come help us uh, as we welcome others into this time. And not only that, uh, our kiddos need you. And so our family team has done an amazing job. Can we just give our family team a round of applause how they've opened this thing up for us? I mean, it's been amazing that our kiddos have to have the opportunity to get back into their services, to, to continue their worship. I have a five and a three-year-old, uh, six and a four-year-old, sorry, they just changed. And they like, I asked them tonight, they were like, y'all ready for church? And they were like, Adult church? (laughs) I was like, you get to go to your church? And they were like, yes. So, uh, but at the same time, we're looking for help. We need faithful followers of Jesus to continue to invest into their lives. So whether that's you and your friend or roommate or spouse or your community group, uh, as we continue to grow in this season, as services continue to open up, uh, we're looking for help. And so if you're interested, uh, you can follow this link in Mo News. There's a few in particular uh, people you can email, and also uh, mosaicnwa.org slash surf. And there's a link you can follow. And please, 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 uh, we, are, we are looking as a body with many members to continue to grow and edify one another. And uh, we're closing out, I don't know if this series has been amazing for you, but we've been in the Lord's Prayer in this time, and tonight we'll close out with Jesus' prayer on uh, delivering us from evil. And uh, I think it'd be fitting, as Jesus desired that we as his disciples, that this would be a daily prayer for us. Not just a one-time thing, but that this would be regular uh, for us who call ourselves followers of him, that we would daily be quoting these words to our Heavenly Father. And uh, in particular, uh, happy Mother's Day tomorrow. Uh, We have uh, an opportunity to celebrate the moms. And if you're a mom making disciples in your home tonight, we are proud of you and thankful for you. Uh, We also want to be sensitive that this can also be a painful holiday. Um, Some of us tomorrow, we celebrate with young children, and some of us remember uh, mothers who are no longer with us. And so, Wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, um, tonight we are a body and we want to come together to be for one another. So if you would and wouldn't would mind, just go ahead and scan the room for who's around you, who's next to you, who's behind you. And then let's stand and let's pray the, the words that Jesus asked his followers to pray, that at the heart of his kingdom movement, he asked us to pray this. Would you pray it with me? Forever, amen. Family, would you sing to our good and gracious triune God with us tonight.
2: to give you uh, an opportunity like that song spoke of to together approach the throne of grace of our King Jesus. And the best way to do that is coming with confession. I've heard it said that repentance is the first word of the Christian life. So tonight, wherever you are Whatever you're walking in here with, whatever's heavy on your heart, this is our opportunity in the quiet of your heart to take that to this throne of grace. Romans says that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so together tonight in this Selah moment, take some time under the kindness of our loving Father.
1: Of divorce, you intervene when destruction is our course. Together. Praise the Lord. sins they are many but his mercy is more
2: fault, but we have to confess the rest of the truth that Jesus, you died and you rose, you defeated death and sin. So help us, oh Lord, to live as though we are free. Amen. You can be seated.
3: Amen and amen. Hello, my friends and Mosaic family. It's such a privilege to be back with you tonight on the conclusion, the kind of the tie the bow, wrap up this Thy Kingdom Come series that we will revisit and return to later this year. I have I've loved this. I've loved uh, mulling on the, the the sentence of tonight. I've loved praying this prayer the last few months, and I've loved even the context of the chapter of the book that we're in. This would be a good time if you have your Bibles. Open them with me to Matthew chapter six. I've always been a big fan of top 10 lists, whether it's a sports center top 10 or the old school David Letterman top 10. Matthew six has quickly become this tap. 10 for my heart as God is just again and again as I've gone back to it just just kind of cracked me open and filled me with with his love his promises and his and his level pathways his just acknowledgement of of life if you're not familiar with with Matthew chapter 6 this is the passage that finishes with this promise don't worry don't be anxious Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where your next meal is coming from. Don't worry about what tomorrow is going to bring. Instead, seek the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And if you wonder what it means to seek, the start of the chapter is all about proximity, that that we would move in proximity to the poor, to to the vulnerable, and we'd move in proximity to God through prayer. Proximity connection to the vulnerable, connection to God. These are the pathways of the Christian life, the apprentice of Jesus. This is the way he and she will go. And I love after kind of this tone is set by this passage, uh, th- th- there's a word in, in Hebrew that is the word Sadaka. Say Sadaka with me. If you're reading the Old Testament, you come across a word that that relates to inward personal righteousness. It's the word "sadaka." And if you come across a word that refers to outward justice and mercy, guess what word it is? Sadaka. They are inseparable, this idea of inner righteousness and outward mercy. They are inseparable for the formation of spiritual life. And in Matthew 6, Jesus takes both and puts them together with a warning, just don't do it for the world to see. The warning of the hypocrite, don't do it so that you're living on the outside with just your own self, your own fame, your own name to be made known while inside you're wasting away. Don't do that And I love how the disciples, out of all of this, they have one question. And really, they could have asked him anything, couldn't they have? They could have said, Jesus, teach us how to feed 5,000 people. That's gonna become really valuable in days to come. Jesus, we would really like to know when you're not around, if we could walk on water whenever we want. We could see that as a positive thing. But now they asked Jesus in this sadaka kind of heart, in this proximity kind of heart, how do you pray? Because they see the overflowing life of Jesus the time and time again that he gets away by himself to meet with God, to meet with his Father. They see the impact that that has. So that's the question that they want to know. And his answer is beautiful. He doesn't just teach us words, he teaches us a posture. There's a posture of adoration. Adoration. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next slide. There's a posture of submission. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a posture of provision. Give us this day, right now, today, what we need, our daily bread. A posture of redemption. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And tonight, a prayer, and a posture of protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I had the sweet opportunity uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago with my family um, to get away and to get to go to Florida and just to be on the beach with little kids. If you've been there, man, that's like the best of times and sometimes kind of the worst of times because it's just like sand galore, right? But we loved it. And as I was mulling on this prayer, mulling on this passage, two things happened that really I felt like God used to really help me drill down on what is temptation and what is deliverance. So, the really cool house that we got to stay at it had a, a itty bitty little backyard pool and a glass sliding door, and get this every single time, every time the glass door opened, this high, piercing. Piercing, annoying, would scream out. Not the first time, because I got a one-year-old. The first time it went, I was like, "Oh, that's so helpful," so that we know if our one-year-old's gonna go and jump in the water. But boy, after like the 470-12th time, at like ten o'clock at night, when somebody accidentally cracks the door open, oh my! But again and again and again, whether even when I was holding my one-year-old on the other side of the house. When the alarm went off, every adult that was there, you could tell they just, they hopped up. What's happening? Where are we? Who's in danger? That was one thing that happened. There was another thing that happened. We were there for, I don't know, six days, and half of the days it rained, and the other half uh, we got to go out, but the red flag was up. Anybody know what that means? Riptide which I don't know when I was growing up there really wasn't a thing called riptides you just kind of went for it but now there's riptides and they actually police the riptides and so we put life jackets on our kids and we set them loose on the riptide days and I don't know like you know they'd be swimming they'd be playing and then I'd turn to toss a football and all of a sudden like my seven-year-old would be a hundred yards away getting carried out to sea And so the lifeguard, literally, I've never seen this in all my years of going to the beach, did like the hole on the board, swim out and grab my child. Grabbed my child, brought my child back to me and kind of gave me that look like, come on, dad, shame. So I'd give him a little pep talk, like, hey, don't do that again, and then we'd go right back out into the riptides, right? And we'd be swimming again, we'd be hugging, you know, hugging and playing and practicing body surfing, and all of a sudden my nine-year-old is like 200 yards away. And the lifeguard who literally like set up his camp by our blanket, again, (laughs) pulls back our kid. It didn't happen twice, it happened three times. Three times in an hour, the third time we got threatened, if it happens again, we're kicked off the beach. Is that possible? You're kicked off of creation to go?
4: And I don't know why.
3: As soon as the lifeguard asked me on time number three, I just was like, I can't, I I don't get this. I was coming back in like shame, like I did it again. And he comes up to me and he asked me the strangest question. He goes, what state are you from? I'm dead serious, what state am I from? And my mind was like, I mean I could say Wisconsin but I'm not trying to be impressive. Um, I could say Arkansas but I don't know. So I said what, I, what, what you would expect me to say. I said I'm from Texas. And, and it just, but that moment was just like the little alarm going off, it's we were rescued and we were rescued and we were rescued and I, felt completely helpless, and again and again we're, we were rescued. And I come back from Florida with these two ideas, and I just felt like they were these living metaphors for what does it mean to really be in a space of temptation? And what does it really mean to be in space of being delivered? Because good news, nobody drowned. Disaster did not strike, but in both The alarm warning and the lifeguard rescuing, our soul felt it. Our soul felt it. And so, the point of tonight, get this tonight for Mother's Day, we're not doing a doctrine of sin. What we are doing is, I want to put you in that vulnerable space right before it happens. Right before it happens, that space that makes you go, oh no, and your hands start to get a little like moist and, and you start to sweat a little bit and you try to like, you ever like kind of talk to your nonverbals, like just stare ahead, don't let my forehead crinkle, just be normal. It's that space, that space of temptation that I want to enter into with you. So first we begin with temptation or as we could Give a subtitle to it, The Door Alarm to Our Soul. And let me give you the background of what is happening here. I have this little, I don't know if this makes me weird or what, but I have this little faith fantasy. You see, in kind of Exodus and Old Testament times, nobody wondered what we're gonna do today. And get this, there was no such thing, parents, you love this, no such thing as picky eaters because every day you're eating the same thing. And every day you know exactly when you're packing up and leaving. Because the cloud by day, which would protect them from the heat and the fire by night that would keep them warm, when it would move, you would pack up and go. And honestly, that, doesn't that make faith just so simple? It's like this faith fantasy, of like I could follow a God like that, man. It's like when he moves, I move. Okay, that's really easy. And... It, if I could think of anything that might be better than that, maybe it would be to actually be one of the apprentices of Jesus. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? To like be, let his dust hit you, let him walk by bushes and turn around and point and talk, let him heal situations and teach you all of these things and let him like pour into that. That would be something. But in John chapter 16, you know what he says? Not God above or Jesus beside But the Holy Spirit within, he calls it your advantage. It is our advantage that Jesus would go away because the presence of God will reside within. It's wild to think that we have it the best of all, isn't it? For all time, connection, intimacy, purpose with God, we have it best of all. And we have this promise of presence as John 16 unfolds. It talks about that He is there. The Spirit is there, the alarm, the door alarm of our soul to encourage us, to convict us, and to guide us in all truth. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believed in your heart, surrendered, and submitted to Him, you have a Holy Spirit door alarm. And it goes off. And you can choose to acknowledge it or completely deny it. Perhaps the greatest theological proof of the presence of God is this moment, this reminder. Eh, eh, eh. The spirit is alive. The spirit is inside you. So when that alarm clock of the soul or the door, door alarm of your soul goes off, here's a question. What do you do? What do you do? And I wanna give you a phrase and it is acknowledgingly cheesy because maybe you'll remember it in that door alarm moment. So here it is. If you're taking notes, write it down. I want you to name it and tame it. Name it and tame it. What do I mean by name it and tame it? First, name it. When we're talking about temptation, I want you to name it. You know, Matthew 6 is at the start of the book. At the end of the book in Matthew 26 Jesus, before the legion of soldiers comes, before the false trial, before the cross, even before he's sweating blood, he looks at his disciples, those that he brings up with him, and he says, hey, I want you to pray that you do not fall into what? I can't hear you through your mask. You gotta say You do not fall into what? Temptation, same word. And here's what I wonder. What if Peter in that moment, because temptation for them was to to fall asleep, to not pray? That was the temptation he was warning against. What if? What if Peter named it? What if he's laying around with his two buddies and like after an emotional and stressful day, he's laying down head against the olive grove trees, like, whew. He's yawning, he's sleepy. And what if he just popped them and goes, Whoa, I am being tempted. Fellas, we are being tempted. What if he named it? How would that have changed the situation? And here's what I wonder for you. I know this is like like thin ice, risky ground, but put yourself in that moment. Is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a screen? Is it a situation? Is it a room in your house or a family or friend member's house? and you just feel the door alarm to your soul going off. The moment that you don't know what to do. And I wonder if in that space, if you would simply name it, I've been trying this of late, simply out loud saying, I am being tempted. And I wanna give you a little bit of a hope and a promise it's like taking a bucket of cold water and dashing it on your soul. Oftentimes it's enough, friends, in the moment of temptation to go, oh, I'm being tempted. Oftentimes that is enough to escape the sin that would come after. Name it and then tame it. What if Peter, what if Peter, after he names it with his guys, Whoa, I'm being tired. And what if tainment was simply, hey, let's stand up and walk around and pray. How would the situation have changed? So tame it. I don't love that word, but, but here's, here's why it's meant a little bit to me. You know, Peter, same author, same author as the one who was in Matthew 26, praying and missing it, missing, he's falling into temptation. In 1 Peter 5, he describes temptation. He describes the enemy, the devil. Anybody know this? as a prowling lion with one purpose, to devour you. That's his purpose, to hunt you down and to devour you. Now, I have to admit, I've never been hunted by a lion. Has anybody here been hunted by a lion? I mean, literally, like you see them in the tall grass and their shoulders come up and they're ready to pounce on you? I mean, I've seen Lion King, so I feel like I know a little bit. But I've never been hunted by a lion, but I've, I feel like I would know what not to do. I don't think I would stand there and go, it's inevitable. Take me now, lion. Devour me, lion. Here's some barbecue sauce to make it go down quick. I don't, I don't think I'd do that. I don't think I would succumb. I think I would, I think I would run. Is that a good plan, wilderness people? I think I would climb a tree. I think I would hope that I had a big slab of beef in my backpack that I could throw it to the side. But I do know I would act. And so when we name it and we tame it, here's the the reality. When many of us feel the door alarm to our soul go off, here's the sad news. Many of us don't take action to tame it. Many of us go. Whatever. Take me now. Sin, devouring lion enemy. I don't even want to fight this fight. Just get it over with. We shrink in that moment. We bow to our coping mechanisms, to our deeper and darker sins. We don't run. We don't fight. We don't climb a tree. We let ourselves be devoured. In that moment, I want to encourage you to name it and tame it. Name it, I am being tempted, and then tame it. And Let me give you some tips to tame it, to tame the lion. First, we're actually given it from the prayer, the kingdom come prayer. He says, pray. So after you name it, I am being tempted. Just say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lord, deliver me from evil. Or I love how the message says it. Lord, protect myself from me and the devil. Boy, if you're in that moment and you feel the door alarm going off, God, rescue me. I need you right now. Secondly, I would say, scripture that comes to mind, to memorize, to ponder, to meditate on scripture. They call scripture the the sword, right? The sword of the spirit. I like to call these moments and these verses kind of the switchblades. It's just the little stab it back kind of moment. And so this verse from 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is one I go to a lot. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So when I'm being tempted and I can feel the door alarm of my soul going off, I name it, I say, I'm being tempted. God, rescue me. And then I look around reminded that I'm not gonna be tempted beyond what I can bear and there's always a way out. Where's the way out? Oh, there's the door. I'm gonna walk out. Prayer and scripture. And then oftentimes, I love how uh, 1 Corinthians 6 talks about multiple different kinds of sins and how do you respond. And for the sake of sexual immorality, there's one instruction, flee. Flee. So if that's your temptation, if that's your eh, eh, eh Name it, pause and tame it by praying. Say scripture, look for your way out and then run away. Run away from it. Can you experiment with that a little bit this week? Try that out. Ask somebody, ask your disciple making community to hold you accountable to those alarm moments that you would respond with a name it and tame it and then share how you learn what God taught you through that. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I brought my big mug with a D, D for deliverance. Deliverance, the lifeguard of our soul. Exodus 6.6 says this, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem me with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Friends, to know God, to experience life with God is to experience him as a deliverer. In Exodus 15, there's a, there's a song that Miriam, the sister of Moses and the sister of Aaron, after they get to the other side of the sea, remember just moments ago, They were in a hopeless situation. With the armies coming down upon them and a sea before them, they are absolutely stuck. They don't know how to get out of it. And Psalm 77 says that the way, the pathway was through the sea, even though your footsteps were unseen, God. So the waters part and they walk through and then they're delivered. The waters take care of the enemy. And what do you do in that situation of deliverance? The women led by Miriam, they grab tambourines and they start a worship song. A song called the Song of the Sea, which is a poem included in Jewish prayer books. It's recited daily in morning services. It's used for Christian liturgies at Easter vigils. uh, and, And it's all about the history of deliverance, the history of salvation. Why? Because if God has delivered us once, he will do it again. We pray to that end. If God has delivered me once, he will do it again. And I don't know about you, but in my experience, in my experience, there's the kind of deliverances that you don't see and there's the kind of deliverances that you do see. The deliverances you don't see. And when I say don't see, I think you, you don't see them in your front window. You more see them in your rear view mirror. You look back and go, wow, I never saw that unfolding like it did, but wow, thank you God for rescuing me from that train wreck of a situation. I kind of wonder, one of my favorite kind of stories from the book of Acts is when Paul is on his way to Rome and he's going and he's in a proximity mode, proximity to people that are hopeless and separated and vulnerable from God and then proximity to God and prayer. He's moving towards people with the gospel planting churches. Acts 16, though, Is this really odd verse? They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. What do you think it was that kept them out of Asia? Maybe a tree across the road? Maybe a bucking donkey? maybe an army or bandits, maybe just this strong, compelling of the spirits. But here's what Paul didn't do. He didn't shake his fist as God, say, hold on a second. I thought I was supposed to be a church plant missionary. I thought I was supposed to go to all the unreached places. Now you're not letting me in. He didn't blame God for lack of control. He didn't blame God for being ruthless. He just kept moving forward, trusting that God would be a deliverer, much like Jesus prays for you and I in John 17, I haven't called you out of the world. Deliverance doesn't mean put yourself in a protected bubble away from the world. I haven't called you out of the world. I've called you to be delivered from evil. And so here's our response in the deliverances we don't see. I think we take a deep breath. And out of a prayer and gratitude mode, we look in the rearview mirror, confirming the ways that God has delivered us, totally separate from our control or strength. God has protected you spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Deliverances you don't see, but there's also deliverances you do see. I could think of two stories. There's tons more, but... Only time for two. The first one is when uh, me and a very small team traveled to Turkey. Doug Raines was on that trip. Luke Dinger was on that trip. A couple of Carol Holmstrom was on that trip. And we're walking through the airport in Turkey, which by the way, if you've never been to Turkey, it's already a little bit more like scary, right? Just, there's just a sense of like, what's gonna happen? We're in Turkey. We're walking through the airport and we're carrying all of our supplies. And the missionaries there asked us to bring uh, the equipment and the coffee to start a coffee shop. So we have bags full of like glass jars and pouring things and beakers and weights and scales and, 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 and all of this stuff. And then we have bags full of Onyx coffee. And we're walking through the airport. You remember this, Doug? And one of the guys on our teams leans over and goes, you know what I heard once? That if you wanna hide drugs, you do it with coffee because the dogs can't smell it. And we turn the corner to customs and just see dogs and men with machine guns. And we're in Turkey and we pull together and we literally have this little prayer time like, this could be it guys. Because if I was going to move to Turkey and cook meth, this is probably how I would do it. With all of this glass and weights and scales that looks like meth cooking equipment and tons of coffee to hide it. Let's pray. And we prayed that God would deliver us and then we courageously and scarily walked toward customs. And there was a Turkish family behind us and a Turkish family behind, in front of us and a Turkish family behind us. In front of us, they pat them down, they wave their guns, they point at them, and every single thing goes through the little conveyor belt to get checked. It was loud, it was scary. The group behind us, they get patted down, everything goes through, guns are waved, fingers are pointed, And for us, they say, welcome to Turkey. No need, just carry your bags, you'll be fine. And we walk through. And then we get to the other side and we pause and we say, God, thank you for delivering us. We were in big trouble. We saw that you just were the God who delivered us. That's the first story I thought of. Uh, The second story that I thought of is a story that's repeated again and again and again. And it's God's mercy and grace to deliver us from our sin but the very sweet way of either getting caught in our sin or confessing our sin and that he delivers us by stopping one trajectory and putting us on a new trajectory and i thought of so many stories that i could tell and then in a like a attempt i thought you know what my good buddy josh rains when i was a youth pastor here josh was just the cool and likable kid that everybody loved and then he started down a trajectory and God delivered him and I asked him this week if he would share his story so Josh is going to join me on stage to read his story of deliverance
4: good evening my name is Josh Raines. A lot of you might know my dad, Doug. Well, when I was young, um, I was a victim of sexual abuse. That trauma uh, set up an ongoing internal conflict and confusion about God, myself, and the world. I concluded that God was not good, and I was not worthy of being protected. As I got older, I began to cope with this conflict with some unhealthy behaviors and choices. As a teenager, I would occasionally use alcohol and marijuana to numb my feelings. As an adult, the internal issues uh, began to manifest themselves in some physical problems. And I found myself using opioids regularly and beginning to abuse them. Because of the physical problems, I struggled to keep a job, which which put stress on my marriage, and uh, I began to spiral into depression. In May of 2018, I experienced an emotional breakdown. I was deeply depressed and and so overcome by anxiety that I couldn't function much at all. I was prescribed medications for the anxiety, and I began to abuse those as well. Soon, uh, my addiction led me to lying and stealing to make sure I had enough medication to keep me from feeling the anxiety and all the other things that I had not dealt with. This was the beginning of the end for me. My life was completely coming apart. In my mind, I wasn't trying to destroy my life, I was actually trying to save it. But I found that my best thinking, my best efforts led me into a pit of evil with no way to get myself out. The best that I could do on my own landed me in that pit. So I just resigned myself to living the life of an addict that choice is what brought me to my rock bottom. I couldn't work. My marriage was broken. I was cut off from my family, homeless, living in my car with nowhere to go. I drove down to Fayetteville to Vantage Point. This is right around the time that COVID was hitting. And they told me that they weren't taking any residents. I thought to myself, even when I try to do the right thing, I can't do the right thing. But then I st- began to see God showing up in my story. While I was sitting in the parking lot of Vantage Point, uh, a friend from my past had called me and asked me what I was doing. He happened to live in Fayetteville and had also struggled with addiction in his past. When I told him my situation and what I've got myself into, he invited me to come stay with him. He pushed me to get sober and find some help. While I was there, he kept asking me spiritual questions that kept pointing me back to God. That week, I surrendered my life to Jesus. Within a couple weeks, I was accepted into John 316 Ministries, which is a spiritual boot camp for men with addictions. And I was there for about eight months. While I was there, God began to transform my heart and my mind through his word. He corrected my view of him, myself, and the world. I was able to address and even forgive the trauma I had experienced. I was set free from the guilt and shame of all the wrong decisions and actions that I had done. I no longer felt alone. God gave me genuine community with some brothers there. I had finally come to know the God that had been revealed to me from such a young age. When I came home, I found that the people who had loved me all along were there for me. My family and my friends, a lot of them here mosaic, such as Matt here from when I was a young kid, they've been sowing into me my whole life. They're the ones that showed up and and have loved me and encouraged me. I live now with, with, with a sense of purpose that I never had before. This gives me hope and a sense of value and even a calling to live a life of radical servitude to him. One of the passages of scripture that God had used to show me his true character of love and faithfulness is Isaiah 43, Verses 1 and 2 say, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you.
3: Amen. Josh, I love you and I'm proud of you. I loved when he told me the story the first time and he described that moment in the parking lot. Homeless, broken, lost, not knowing what to do and not being able to accept it into the rehab program. And a friend out of the blue who was an ex-user calls and says, hey, you wanna come live with me? Deliverance by God. Proud of you, buddy. And our response is prayer and gratitude. And the moment to acknowledge again and again that God is a deliverer. And if you're here tonight and you can feel yourself just panicking because all you know is that door alarm to your soul that goes off. And your identity statement says right now, I can't be delivered, I'm too deep in. You love and wanna follow Jesus with your whole life but you just can't get free. Let me close with this one thought. You know, the name Jesus means God is a deliverer. God is our salvation. So, to follow Jesus is to believe that there's hope to be set free. There's hope that that prayer is not just word of mouth, it's actually an invitation for God who sent Jesus to enter our mess to crack the callousness of our heart and make us new, to deliver us from the domain of darkness, to set us free to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. Oh God, for each and every man and woman here, we know those moments well, those moments uh, where we can feel temptation, where we might scream and cry out for deliverance. And God, in a posture of, adoration and supplication and provision and protection, we just say, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, because in those moments, there's nothing more pure than the name of Jesus who saves. We love you. Rescue us for your name's sake. Amen.
1: Satisfied
0: Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you were to look in your Bible, in Matthew chapter 6, probably NIV, ESV, you would not see the thine is the kingdom piece. It wasn't in the earliest manuscripts. But as early as we can date it, the early church, first century, gathered in their homes together as they prayed the Lord's Prayer. They actually looked back in Second Chronicles, where King David, in dedicating the temple, had this prayer that God is forever lasting and he is the king forever and we praise him and he had this doxology that he sung over Israel and so the early church gathered together in a home would pray the Lord's prayer and they would begin to say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, and the saints have been doing it through the years since. And so friends, together to give God The one whose kingdom of love and light is breaking into this world of darkness and sin. The one who's powerful and has overcome sin and death and one day will be rid of it. And he who alone is worthy of the glory and praise. Together can we pray the Lord's prayer loud and proud. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's say it loud, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) Amen, church? Yeah, we have a good king. Hey, don't forget, uh, we're kicking off Hebrews next week, and it is going to be amazing. So we invite you, please, grab that resource as you leave tonight or check it out online if you need. If you're new, welcome. Please don't leave this space without saying hi online or hello to someone around you. Mosaic, we love you. You are dismissed. Grace and peace.